Thank you for joining me for this sermon from Pennington AG Church. Today we are beginning the season of Advent and Merry Christmas, Jesus Christ is coming as we wait with eager anticipation for our Savior, our Lord, and our God to come and rescue us. In the moments of Advent, traditionally, we are looking forward to our Savior coming. As we read the pages of scripture, we are looking at the anticipation of God rescuing his people. For us, 2,000 years later, living in a post-resurrection world, we know who Jesus is and we still eagerly await his return, his second coming to heal the world and make all things right under him. But as we wait, we turn to the pages of scripture, we read the story of Jesus Christ coming the first time, and we enter into his character, his nature, and the mission he has brought for us. The four weeks of Advent will be inspired by and guided as we read the Nativity story and reflect on scripture. We will be assisted by Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, looking at the character and very nature of Jesus. And if you've been with us this fall and have watched our series starting in September, you know that we have been on a journey as a community, a journey of healing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, relationally, physically, out of a global pandemic. Still in it, but reflecting on the pain we've been through, allowing ourselves to feel, looking at biblical examples of others who have processed their emotions in prayer, and now we are ending out 2021 this year by looking at the nature of the God we bring ourselves to the nature of the one who invites us in to his loving embrace. What does it mean that our God has been revealed in the character of Christ Jesus? What does it mean that the God we pray to is Jesus Christ, gentle and lowly? As we talk about Jesus, and we will spend four weeks and a bonus Christmas Eve sermon reflecting on the nature of Jesus, I want to ask you just to take a moment and honestly reflect Who do you see Jesus as? Who is Jesus to you? Someone asked you on the streets or someone texted you and said, who is Jesus? Describe him for me. How would you describe Jesus? Go ahead. I'll give you a moment. Our understanding of Jesus, hopefully, is inspired by scripture and is guided by his spirit and encouraged by our community and our traditions together of 2,000 years of people knowing Jesus, writing about him, reflecting on him. But oftentimes, who we think someone is and who they are are not exactly the same. Or who we think we are and other people's perception of us can be vastly different. For example, I like to think of myself as a good teacher, knowing scripture, bringing it to people. But when I was first on staff at this church 13 years ago, and I was youth pastor in service, I would only do the more fun, goofy parts of service. I would do announcements, transitions, things like that. And it was probably about a year and a half before I ever preached on the stage. And after I did, a very kind older member of the church came up to me and seemingly gave me a compliment where they said, My daughter serves under you in the youth ministry, and she always talks about how intelligent and a good teacher you are. 
And today I finally believe her. I finally believe that after hearing you preach. And I said, thank you. And then paused for a second. For the last year and a half, you have not thought I was capable of any of this. That's been your perception of me. Okay. A few years ago, we started doing around the Christmas season at the end of the year, a year recap video where we would splice together shots, pictures from everything the church has done in that year. And then we would celebrate together. And then we had the idea of also putting it online and sharing it with our neighbors, sharing it on social media, on our website. And one of my neighbors in on the street I live on came up to me about a week into the new year and said, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. I was like, okay. They said, I saw that video of your church online and it looks like you guys are doing a lot of really cool stuff and in the community and it looks really fun and exciting. I never thought your church was like that. And I said, thank you. And then I said again, wait, what What did you think we were? What did, what did you think we were doing? We often assume everybody knows who we are, who we think we are, but our perception of each other can be vastly different. This is why for this series, we are turning to Jesus' own words about who he says he is, who he declares his nature to be. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus literally says who he is. He shares his very heart of his character. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And these verses will inform our Advent season. They will inform these four weeks before Christmas. They will inform our entire December and finishing out the year. I encourage you in your devotional time, in your prayer habits, in your scripture reading during the close of 2021 to use these verses as a grounding framework for your own time with Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, who Jesus says he is. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is the only time in the four Gospels that Jesus declares his own character and nature. Just this verse. There are four stories of Jesus' death. There are three stories of his resurrection. There are two stories of his birth. And there is one moment of Jesus declaring who he is. And in it, Jesus says three things to us. He says, three things I want you to do in response to my character. I want you to come to me. I want you to take my yoke. And I want you to rest. I want you to come to me, he says. Jesus is God, put on flesh. As the author of Philippians says, Jesus stepped out of heaven and into our earth. He humbled himself to come to us. That invitation that as he approaches us, we would embrace him. We would come to him. As Will Smith says in the hit romantic comedy, Hitch, he comes 90, we go 10. He comes 90, we go 10. Jesus Christ has come most of the way 
humbling himself, stepping out of heaven, putting on flesh, entering into our suffering on the cross, triumphing over death itself through the resurrection, and then he stands with arms open and invites us to come to him. And our journey is simply taking a step in to embrace his presence, to come to him. Next, he says, take my yoke. Yoke is an ancient reference that might be kind of lost for us in modern Western world. Yoke is a farming tool that goes over the shoulders of whatever animals are pulling the plow. And essentially, the yoke keeps the two animals walking at the same pace at the same time. It binds them together, and the faster one slows down for the slower, the slower one speeds up a little to keep up with the faster, and it keeps them in line. Jesus is saying by taking his yoke, he's saying, align yourself with me, walk with me, find my pace, learn under me, and journey with me. And then he says, I will give you rest. I want you to rest. Come to me, all of you, another translation, who are fatigued and overwhelmed. Another translation, all who labor and are heavy laden. All who are tired, worn out, drained, burdened, overwhelmed, exhausted. Come to me if you feel like this. Enter into Jesus' presence when you feel like this. Exhaustion can take on many forms, physical, emotional. But what Jesus is really talking about is spiritual exhaustion. If you feel spiritually tired, if you're having struggles and trials, thinking about what does the next life after this look like? How do I live a devout life in the pattern of the God I believe him to be? How do I love others in a way that also feeds my soul? How does my life exist and matter beyond my own physical life? These questions, do I matter? How do I matter? How does this world work? Evil, good, all of these are the ones Jesus says, bring them to me and I will give you rest. Specifically, he's talking about religion, formally and structurally. Things we create that we say, do these things and you will have a relationship with God. X, Y, Z, give, sacrifice, repent, and you will be holy and you will receive blessing. Jesus is speaking at a time where the religion of his day had become such a burden on people. How often you would wash your hands, when you were clean or unclean, how much you gave and when you gave it, where you would walk and how you would dress became a burden for the people. In fact, Jesus actually challenges the Pharisees, the religious radicals of his day, in Matthew 23. He says, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. They're pretty good teachers, he says, and when they're teaching you about what Moses said, listen to it. But don't follow their example for they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Many of us think of God in this framework and in this way. God is angry at me because of my sin or my failure. God is judgmental towards my life. I've messed up too much. 
And so we're constantly playing this game of, of trying to repent and hoping he forgives or trying to live a holy life, a better life. I need to share my faith every day with somebody. I have to fast all of these moments. And Jesus is saying, just lean into my presence and I will give you spiritual rest. Another translation by Eugene Peterson in his message translation of scripture has this particular passage written in such a beautiful form. Let's read it together. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay in anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. (sighs) Doesn't that sound tantalizing, embracing, empowering? That Jesus Christ calls us to his presence and says, if you learn to be with me, I will give you a free, light way of living. If you wonder how to do it, just watch me. Watch how I do it and follow in my footsteps. Let's look at the very heart of Christ as we take this Advent journey together. Let's talk about Jesus as he declares himself to be gentle and lowly. What do each of these mean? And how is this the most definitive version of who Jesus sees himself to be? Why not powerful and authoritative? Why not righteous and and judgment? Why not Lord over all creation? Why not any of these authoritative, powerful adjectives? No, gentle and lowly. Let's see Jesus as gentle. I don't know if you need to hear this, but I need to say it at least. I have heard too many sermons about Jesus flipping over tables and too many people quote to me that the gospel is an offense, which is a misquote of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. And honestly, I am sick of Jack tattooed Jesus almost as much as I am sick of prideful, insulting Christians who lack gentleness with one another and those outside of the church. Gentleness is a characteristic of a follower of Jesus that we have nearly jettisoned in the modern evangelical church. We're not gentle with each other because truth doesn't care about your feelings. But Jesus does, and his spirit living in us does. Gentleness as a way of life. Gentleness as a way of interacting with each other. Being gentle is not being weak. Weakness is a light touch because you can't push any harder. Gentleness is a light touch because you are merciful and caring. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2 that Jesus chose to humble himself. He chose gentleness as an act of his power and humility. In the Advent season, we are reminded starkly of how gentle Jesus is. Two of the four Gospels tell us a story of Jesus coming into our world, of Jesus putting on flesh. And in both of them, the nature of Jesus as a gentle infant child is first and foremost in the story. In Luke chapter 2, 
verses 6 and 7. We read, And while they were there, this is Mary and Joseph, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them. Jesus, as God, chose this entrance into our world. He wasn't forced into it because it, he couldn't do any better. He wasn't a victim of circumstances. Jesus chose a humble, gentle entrance into our world. Oftentimes when we think of the word gentle, the image that comes to our mind is that of a baby, an infant child. We have to be gentle when we hold them. Their expressions and movements are gentle by their very nature. God expresses his nature by how he enters our world. As an infant child, gentle, snuggling, held to the breast of his mother. In fact, 2006, there was a movie made called The Nativity Story about Jesus' birth. They were trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Passion of the Christ, which was smashing success. Tons of people saw it, made lots of money. So they said, all right, if Jesus' death and the end of his life could be this much of a success, well, let's tell the beginning story of his life and see if we can make that much success. They spent a lot of money on it, made it, marketed it. And my favorite review of the movie said, the movie is just kind of boring. And I think it's boring because perhaps the circumstances of Jesus' birth are not nearly as exciting and cinematic as the circumstances of his death. And I loved it because I think that's the point. The end of Jesus' life is the reaction of a sinful, fallen, broken world pushing back against the goodness of Jesus Christ. And then it's God's plan subverting that through loving sacrifice, triumphing over evil and hate. But his birth is his chosen entrance into the world. And it's not a wild, chaotic, combative story, although there is a genocide in one of them. It is a gentle story of two young parents bringing a child into the world, humble people coming around and embracing the Savior who has come. Jesus isn't just a gentle child, though, a gentle infant. He grows up to be a gentle man, a gentle human. Matthew 5, verse 5, his most famous sermon, his longest recorded sermon, begins with, blessed are the meek. Another way of translating that, blessed are the gentle. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says in his own mourning at the response of God's fallen people, he says, how often I have wanted to gather your children together, the, the people of Jerusalem, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. I love the motherly imagery of Jesus in this. I have wanted to gather you into my arms, the way a mother hen gathers her chicks. I have wanted to embrace you and know you. Even Matthew 26, the end of Jesus' life, the beginning of the passion story, Jesus is betrayed in an intimate moment of his disciple coming, embracing him, and giving him a kiss. It says Judas went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. The gentle embrace and intimacy of Jesus. Gentleness is a part of his nature. To some of you, 
you might need to hear this right now. In the season of where your life is, Jesus is not mad at you. Jesus is not condemning you for your failures. Jesus is not holding up a checklist that you need to achieve and aspire to in order to receive his love. Jesus is standing with open arms, inviting you to take that last 10% of leaning into his gentle embrace. As Dane Ortland, author of the book Inspiring This Series, says, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the entire universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Some of us need to understand that and lean into those open arms. Second, he says he's gentle. He also says he's lowly, and lowly might be the harder one to understand. Gentle? Okay, I get gentle. What does lowly mean? Lowly, throughout the New Testament, is largely used to describe humans. It's largely about us. Lowly meaning really like humble or down and out, in the dust, kind of just working our way through life. In Luke 152, Mary's Magnificat, her famous song about life and about Jesus coming, she talks about people struggling in life, and she uses the term lowly. She says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has exalted those who were lowly, those who were struggling in the dirt. Paul, early church father, writes in Romans 12, verse 16, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly, the down and out. Do not be wise in your own estimation. It is a word used to describe the unimpressive, the struggling, the down and out. And as the New Testament talks about the souls of man down and out, struggling and weak, it connects for me how I have felt in these last two years. This sort of down and out spirituality of trying my best and praying, but feeling kind of weak, seeing things mostly through a pessimistic mentality, trying to gather the steam and the hope again. And into this, Jesus enters as lowly himself. So when Matthew, in Matthew 11, uses the term lowly, to record what Jesus is speaking about himself. He is using a term that indicates Jesus associates himself with our struggles. Lowly means Jesus is accessible. He is present. He is eminent. He is here with us. As Dane Ortland writes again, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible. For all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the God that welcomes our struggles. He is the God that invites us into his presence. 
He is the God that can relate to our heartache of unrequited love when other relationships let us down. He is the God that says, I understand. I've been there. Bring that pain to me. He is the God that joins in our tears when we mourn the death of those we care about. He says, I lost people. I feel your pain of losing them in this life as well. He is the God who understands our struggles when we ask ourselves, why do I continually do things that aren't good for me, do things that hurt people I care about, why do I do this? Jesus comes alongside and says, I understand your struggle in this. It is this accessible Jesus who says we are all welcome to bring our burdens and struggles and trials into his presence. Gentle and lowly, the nature of Jesus says, you do not need to get your life right in order to enter into his presence. You do not need to fix X, Y, and Z in order to pray and invite him into your life. You do not have to achieve biblical literacy in order to be in Jesus' presence. You don't have to pray out loud eloquently in order to have a deep, rich understanding of Jesus in your life. It is the embrace of our humble nature by our humble God who has lowered himself to be in relationship with us. Let's revisit the nativity story again to flesh this out. Continuing back into Luke chapter 2. In the same region where Jesus was born, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The birth of Jesus invites not royalty, not priests, not the righteous, but shepherds out in the field. Blue-collar workers that are normally the outside lowest tier of the working class in first century Palestine. Those outside kind of smelly. They're weird because they live with the animals out there and they're not usually around people. These are the ones that God invites to be in his presence as he enters into our world. Angels welcome average men and women to meet a savior born gentle and lowly. Think about their perspective. They're shepherds, they're out in the field. Angels appear. It very much clearly says in the passage that the shepherds were terrified, probably thinking, God's glory is here, I'm dead. The angel says, don't be afraid. And they go, okay, yeah, I can relax. They say, good news. And they go, for me, you brought this news to, to me? A savior is born. They go, oh, great. A king is gonna triumph over our people and he's gonna be mighty. How do we find him? And they go, this is the sign. You will find a baby wrapped up in gentle cloth, embraced by his mother. This is the sign of the savior who has come gentle, accessible, present with you. The Savior has come and he has revealed who he is in the character of Christ Jesus. We know our creator as gentle and lowly. 
And so as we understand Jesus, as we look at his birth story, it invites us to realign our perspective of God by the nature of Jesus. Jesus is how we know our Creator. Jesus is how we know the Almighty. Jesus is how we know the presence of our divine power that moves and works in us and through us. It is by Jesus we know who he is. First, gentle and lowly is not mushy and weak. You may think, this sounds too soft. Isn't there judgment and power in Jesus as well? Isn't there conviction of sin and a demand for repentance as well? You said the thing about flipping tables, but he does flip those tables and he makes a whip and he whips some people. And then he preaches and he calls people vipers. And then he kills a fig tree seemingly for no reason. Jesus does do some pretty aggressive things. He does. And he does those things to areas where there is injustice where people are not treating each other with gentleness and humility. And gentle and lowly, as the character of Jesus, Scripture tells us, is not the character of Jesus for everyone. And in this passage, Jesus says, I am gentle and lowly for those who come to me, who take my yoke upon them, and who cry out to help for me. I am gentle and lowly to those who recognize their need of a gentle and lowly Savior. He is gentle to those who can say, I am broken. He is lowly to those who can say, I need help. But for those who come to him, it means his gentle nature cannot be outpaced by our sin. You can't outsin his gentle love. He will always love and forgive more than we can sin and destroy. And he doesn't have to try to be gentle. It is who he is. Second, rest for your soul and rest for your body are not the same. Jesus does not promise us rest for our flesh, for our body. In fact, Jesus promises us that on this world, we will have struggles and trials and we will toil. We will toil to help one another. We will toil to create in this world and our bodies will be tired. We will lose people. We will be betrayed. We will hurt in our flesh. But he promises rest for our souls. Jesus promises that when we lean into his presence, he gives rest for our souls. Peace to the question of does my life have value in this world? Jesus says, when you come to me, I tell you, absolutely, your life has value. It has value that drew me to this earth. It has value that drew me to the cross. It has value that drew me to the grave so that you could be restored and made new and forgiven. Your life has value. To the question of what happens to my flesh, my soul, who I am when I die in this world, Jesus Christ comes in and says, you can look to my resurrection and the resurrection of all things, that you may close your eyes on this world, but you will one day open them in a remade, renewed, restored heaven and earth together, bodily, physically. You will exist forever in my presence, glorified and made new. When we ask the spiritual question of our guilt and shame for what we've done or the failures we think we may do, Jesus, in leaning into his presence, says, I have already forgiven you. You simply need to put my forgiveness on 
And when you fail again, my forgiveness will be right here, renewed and restored forever. You simply need to come and ask. Finally, gentle and lowly are not practices or behaviors of Jesus. They are his very nature. He doesn't do gentleness. He doesn't behave lowly. He is gentle and lowly. And this means he never tires of sweeping us up into his tender embrace. It is his heart. He never tires of coming and bending down into our sin and brokenness. It is what brings him out of bed in the morning. It is what brings him joy eternally to be there for us, to embrace his creation. You cannot wear Jesus out. He continues to give lovingly and mercifully. You cannot stray too far from where he is unable to find you, return to you, seek you, and embrace you. This is why we need scripture and the Bible in our lives. Our view of God drifts over time. It drifts as we live in a difficult, painful world and we begin to see God as maybe difficult, painful. It drifts as we see ourselves and others through the lens of judgmentalism or anger. and We begin to think of God as judgmental or angry. And when we pick up the pages of scripture and we read, Matthew 1 and 2, we read Luke 1 and 2, and we read the story of Christ coming into this world, we are reminded not of who we have made God to be, but of who he is in Christ Jesus. And we realign with his character again. This is why there is a Christian calendar. This is why Advent exists. This is why Lent exists, to draw us back into God's presence, and remind us of the character of our God. You may be watching this today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know him as Savior or as Lord. Or maybe you're watching this and you do know Jesus or the idea of Jesus, but you don't see him as gentle and lowly. You don't see him as loving and accessible. And I want to give you a chance today to pray that last 10% to pray that last just leaning in to Jesus' presence. If you've never prayed this before, I encourage you to thoughtfully take a first step towards a presence and a relationship with God in Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to recommit in this moment. Pray with me. Jesus, today, we bring you all of our fatigue, exhaustion, fear, tiredness, worn out in our hearts and in our souls. That we've been trying to figure this out on our own. We've been trying to live good enough. But there are real parts of our heart that are afraid. And Jesus, we ask you to meet us in that. Jesus, we trust you to be who you say you are. Gentle and lowly, inviting us in to receive your rest in your presence. May we, Jesus, embrace your yoke, learn from you, follow your pattern, lean into your presence and be transformed by who you are. Jesus, we believe that you lived as this character, with this character, with this nature. Jesus, we believe that you died on the cross for our sin and shame, that you were buried in the ground and you 
resurrected on the third day, and that through trusting in you, we can have your presence in this world by the Holy Spirit and look forward to your resurrection of all things and eternal life through the resurrection in you, Christ Jesus. You gave your beautiful life for us. Today we commit our life to know you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining me for this beginning of the Advent season.